open up your books, you bad apples. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. Lucas Nord here. And I'm your host, Cole Lang. And Cole. Co-host. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, it doesn't really make a difference. You know, we're both here either way. Even if we went out of our way to specify that one of us was the main host and the other one was the co-host, it wouldn't really make a difference because, you know, we're just doing our thing here. It could be like uh, on cinema where it's just like, I'm your host, Tim Heidecker, with my special guest Yep. Uh, <laughs> for um, every episode. Every single episode. I do like the sound of that. Um, we're, we're finishing off Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Part 3 today. I'm excited for that. This has been a really fun book to read so far. And, once again, it's been full of surprises that... Uh, we're going to cover in detail in this episode. Well, a few of them, you know, the ones that specifically get covered anyway. Because if you wanted to hear us cover uh, cover surprises from the first and second part of the book, then what are you doing listening to the third part first? Go back and listen to those. Well, you you never done that? You just hopped right into a sequel? Um, I have almost certainly hopped right into a sequel for one reason or other before, or... You do that thing where you, you know, start a TV show halfway through season three when you don't know who any of the characters are or what their motivations are. Yeah, I uh, I bought Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets oh, for a yeah. road trip once, uh, and that was the only Harry Potter I owned for a very long time. So, yeah, I just kind of watched the second Harry Potter movie over and over. Hey, man. Uh, it wasn't a sequel specifically, but I seem to remember a family trip where I had Click, the Adam Sandler vehicle, and Joe Dirt, the David Spade one, on DVD, and we must have had whatever, like a 10-hour car ride back, so I just kept watching both of them over and over again. And honestly, D- I could probably still do feature. that. Yeah, double feature, quadruple feature, um, quintuple feature. I don't know what six is. Anyway... Um, was there anything that you maybe wanted to say before we got rolling here about the first two parts of our series? As in a summary, or? Sure. Or, do you just have any thoughts in general? A lot of bad kids running around this factory that need to be taken care of. And uh, Wonka doesn't even need to take care of them himself. They're just kind of weeding themselves out. Yep, they're just kind of running into their own fate. Yep. Yeah, yeah. so it is funny to see that. Um, from what I remember from the movies, it's pretty accurate for the most part, it seems. Uh, still have to rewatch them. But yes. it's just, you know, classic tale of, well, Charlie looks to be the best candidate to survive here. We don't know what the prize will be yet, but we'll, we'll find out. Well, see, that was the interesting thing, too, is we will find out, but I figured that, you know, the dump truck full of chocolate was the prize, but you know what? No, we're already saying too much. We'll get to it. Uh, when, when we last left off, uh, Augustus, he's he's dead and gone. Um, <laughs> dead and buried. <laughs> yep. Uh, dead and sucked up. Um, let's see. And then is it 
It isn't Veruca. It was nope. Violet. Veruca, Veruca, and Mike TV are still with us. Uh, that is a thing that I had a lot of trouble with going through this outline too. Was Veruca and Violet, which is which? Yep. And we just left off with Violet being juiced. Yeah. She's about to be de-juiced here. She had one of uh, Wonka's, you know, not yet world famous three course, uh, three course meal sticks at chewing gum, and the roast beef was there, and the uh, second course that I've forgotten that I can't remember right now was there, but the dessert course being blueberry pie is the only little quirk that he can't quite work out because every person and Oompa Loompa that's tried the three-course gum has gotten to the blueberry portion of it and then they pretty much turn into a big blueberry and they're all they turn all purple all over and everything like that yeah it's kind of a horror show when he's like he's testing these crazy experimental foods on his Oompa Loompas and just yeah. kind of like, oh, it's fine. They died, but well, uh, we're going to talk about one specific Oompa Loompa later on that, uh, yeah, was never heard from again after um, partaking in one of Wonka's crazy experiments. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, uh, and and that was it for the children that passed, oh, or not passed, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Uh, disappeared for that part, right? Yep. We okay. are down to three children with Augustus Gloop and Violet Beauregard uh, out of the race. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and so, with two children stricken from the group due to their own misdeeds, um, the final three are called Good Little Children, which we're going to see isn't completely accurate for all of them, but that's what Wonka wants to believe them as. And you know what, honestly? Wonka may be, like, more morally dubious than, like, Raskolnikov, just because of how strange he is. But, um, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I don't know, I guess he doesn't completely think all these kids are awful yet. Because he does, like I said, he does refer to them as three good little children. Even though... They've been uh, causing a ruckus the entire time. Pretty much every kid other than Charlie has, to be completely honest. Yeah, he's probably saying this and doing a little wink-wink to Charlie the whole time. Yeah, you never you know. do know. Uh, yep. Charlie, Charlie asks Wonka what is to come of Violet Beauregard, and is told that when she's uh, de-juiced, she'll be good as new, other than the fact that she'll be a beautiful, rich purple all over her entire body. Because, once again... They can dejuice her, but they cannot quite get uh, get that pigment thing figured out quite yet. Yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, same methods that were used in medieval times where you just take a bunch of leeches and you, got, you just got to get a little dejuice, you know, a yeah, little uh, detox for yourself. They'd throw you in the Iron Maiden to dejuice you. I remember reading about that stuff. Oh, man. Iron Maiden, that's the, like, casket with the spikes in it, right? Yeah. Um, Ooh. Actually, you know what? Kind of a... That was just a little joke for you there, but I will sidetrack here and say that the Iron Maiden was actually never in use during those years, and it was an invention for the mid- uh, uh, for the Middle Ages 
much longer after they actually happened. So the Iron Maiden, I'm sure it was used at some point, but it wasn't actually associated with the time period. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's what comes from chewing disgusting gum all day long is what Wonka has to say about Violet getting herself in her own conundrum. And Mike TV, still not sensing any tension (laughs) coming from Wonka, even though he's been curtly shut down every time he said anything. Wonders why Wonka would create and sell bubblegum if he found it so terrible in the first place. And Wonka says, you're mumbling. And just keeps on rolling. Oh, man. Mike TV just can't get a break. Nope. And honestly, I don't know if he deserves one. No, he is kind of annoying. Bolting down a corridor with the group behind him, Wonka leads the seven remaining children and their adults, you know, being um, Veruca, Mike, both of their parents, Charlie and Joe. I think that's seven. You do the math. Uh, either way, he leads them past a door that says, Eatable Marshmallow Pillows. Another that reads, Lickable Wallpaper for Nurseries, which comes in a, um, an array of flavors, from strawberry to banana to snozzleberry. Mike, Ooh. being as flabbergasted as the rest of us after hearing about the unfamiliar fruit, belts the name out in disbelief. Only to be told by Wonka not to dis er, not to interrupt. Obviously, oh my God, I cannot let a single word slip out without you jumping down my throat, Mike. Can I just? I'm the Chocolate Man, okay? Leave me alone. <laughs> Don't speak unless spoken to, buddy. Honestly, <laughs> the and questions. Uh, no questions. No questions, please. I know that you've never heard of. of the things you've seen today, from the eatable candy pillows to the big chocolate river to the snozzleberries, but just, oh my god, we only have so much time. (laughs) It just makes you wonder, you know, Grandpa Joe, he hasn't been asking too many questions during this book, Uh, but if he'd start answering questions, maybe Wonka would be harsh to him, and maybe that's why Grandpa Joe is so quiet during this time. You know, honestly, we, we are going to delve into that at a later point because I think that you just brought something very interesting up that I think will be fun to talk about. Wonka describes the wallpaper and it's pretty self-explanatory, you know. Uh, Lick the paper and, you know, it's got pictures of bananas on it, tastes like bananas. It's got pictures of strawberries and it tastes like strawberries and once again letting his curiosity get the best of him, Mike asks Wonka exactly what a snozzleberry tastes like and is once again told that he's mumbling. <laughs> you really should speak up, young man. <laughs> young man, on this tour, uh, no mumbling. <laughs> no mumbling, please. The next door reads, Hot Ice Cream for Cold Days, which is pretty much just an ice cream cone huh. made to replace a cup of hot chocolate, which really does sound wonderful, but can you imagine if like, you had to wait for ice cream to cool down so you didn't sear your tongue? That's no, kind of that would fun. be crazy. Yeah. You know, Wonka, Wonka is very imaginative. He is. Uh, wish he was real. Yeah, me too. The next door reads, Cows That Give Chocolate Milk. And Wonka is uh, a big fan of these cows. And honestly, I would be too, because who doesn't love chocolate milk? Well, I've kind of grown out of it. Well, I don't know. Well, I think it uh, might be because, well, during school lunches, 
I feel like I had a few too many expired chocolate milks, and, uh, and it just kind of ruined ruined it for me. Now, is the idea yeah. of your expired chocolate milk, uh, you mentioned that you had a few too many. Does that mean that you drank all the expired chocolate milk? Well, the thing about uh, being raised in the Lang household is you don't let anything go to waste. You know what? Even if it, even if your milk is a bit curded, curdled, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't want to drink curdled milk, but I gotta say that I can absolutely get behind letting nothing go to waste. Uh, yep. It's good for you. Yeah. Yep. The next door has a sign that reads, Fizzy Lifting Drinks, which... Um, is actually where that Oompa Loompa I was talking about, uh, you know, the one just minutes ago, Wonka had uh, one of them try some of the fizzy lifting drinks, and of course you drink them, and you float up into the sky, and the only way to come back down is to burp, and Wonka says that he had an Oompa Loompa try some outside, which is an interesting side note. <laughs> um... Why would the Oompa Loompa be outside? It doesn't sound like any of them have ever been outside, but Wonka's apparently just a sadist and decided that this one had to try it outside. And sure enough, he floated and floated and floated. And when Charlie, I think it was Charlie, maybe it was Mike that said, well, when he kept floating, didn't you tell him to burp? Wonka said, I think he was too polite to burp. So he just Uh. kept on floating and I never saw him again. Jeez, yep, just shows that, well, one, they needed OSHA, and yeah. two, Wonka, uh, he sees these uh, Oompa Loompas as disposable, how one, uh, you know, very powerful CEO might view his uh, Amazon Prime workers, you know, not not saying any names, um, yeah, At he, least who should not be named. At least Wonka... Um, he seems to care for the Oompa Loompas instead of making them work 16 hours straight without bathroom breaks. Yeah, yeah, true. Just, you need to, you need to put these guys in a building if you're going to make them float. (laughs) Honestly, honestly. I've said it a million times and I'll say it again. If you're going to make them float, they got to have a roof, you know? (laughs) Yep. Wonka leads the group to a door with a sign outside that reads square candies that look round and even though he's passed all the other doors the fizzy lifting drinks and the eatable marshmallow pillows and the chocolate milk cows this is the one that he's very interested in showing people and honestly um everything has been so incredible up to this point but all that other crap sounds self-explanatory what do you think when you hear the phrase square candies that look around without giving anything away cole well, I know what it is, but yeah, at exactly. first, maybe a cube with rounded edges? I don't know, or See, it changed shapes, or is illusion? I pictured something kind of, yeah, some kind of optical illusion thing, where you look at it from one angle and it's square, and then you look at it from another and it's round, but we're about to see exactly what a square candy that looks round is. Okay. Inside the room... Because they're just standing on the outside of it looking through the window are a crap ton of, you know, square-shaped candies in rows laid out on big old tables with Oompa Loompas painting tiny faces on each and every one of them. Um, Veruca takes the candies at face value and calls Wonka out on his baloney, stating that the candies are 
Square and only square, with her mother chiming in with agreement, to which Wonka says, My dear old fish, go and boil your head. Which, you know, not only is Wonka putting everyone in their place when he needs to, but he's being classy about it, too. Go boil your head. Yeah, he's got... He doesn't need to curse. I need to channel his vocabulary when I'm having verbal arguments because it just takes one slip up, which you guys might have noticed is very easy for me. Um, And yeah, and then your argument's done. But Wonka, he's got very good vocabulary to well throw insults. See, and I I think that's where my personal philosophy comes from. If you're going to hurl insults at someone, I think throwing cuss words in just takes the edge off of it. But if you looked someone straight in the face when you're in the middle of a heated debate and said, go boil your head, I think that would get your point across. Yeah, very true. Taking a key from his pocket and inserting it in the door's lock, Wonka tells Mrs. TV to sit back and watch. Turning it in its place, the sound of the key being heard inside the room causes the candy and their tiny faces to turn around, checking to see who's coming in. Square candies that look round. I don't know, Lucas. The, that kind of creeps me out a bit. I wouldn't want to eat a candy that could potentially scream for its life as I'm tossing it into my mouth. Yeah, no thanks. Yep, it's kind of spooky. Leading the group down the corridor some more, the next room past reads Butterscotch and Butter Gin, uh, which is a lot of fun. This one catches the attention of Mr. Salt, Veruca's father. He's like, hey, now you're talking my language. And (laughs) Oompa Loompas can be heard whooping and hollering from the other side of the door, um, you know, having the choice between butterscotch and soda uh, being the most popular with, you know, their other choice being butter, gin, and tonic, which Mm. anyone listening... I know there are a few people listening right now, and if you are, you know, thanks. Also, you know that uh, I like me a good butter gin and tonic here and there, too. I actually just got a nice, uh, beautiful bottle of butter gin for Christmas that I've yet to crack into, and I'm very excited. Butter gin is a thing? No. You know, Uh-oh. it's just a joke. I did get a bottle of gin, though. Butter oh, gin is, you know, okay. it's butter, butter scotch and butter gin. Uh, okay. It does sound fun. The next room is the nut room. They are standing outside the door once again, looking in through the window, and within the room are a bunch of squirrels just shelling walnuts like crazy. Um, and they check every single one of them before they even crack it, and that's what Willie likes about them, because they're efficient, they never throw good nuts away, and they save time by checking them before they even bother cracking them so Mm. they observe the there's a hundred squirrels in the room and they watch one tap its knuckle on the nut and they can tell it's hollow so they throw it down the crap hole and then you know they find another one that they do end up cracking open and it's a nice big beautiful walnut in there Mm. veruca veruca obviously wants one of the you know nut cracking squirrels and her parents clearly have never learned anything from you know listening or from trying to argue with her because she insists that her two dogs four cats six bunnies two parakeets three canaries 
her green parrot, her turtle, her bowl of goldfish, her cage of mice, and her hamster are not enough. She needs one of these squirrels, and she needs it to die. All right? right not now. yesterday, not tomorrow, to die. Right now, yeah, need to add it to the to the zoo, I guess. Yeah. You know? Mr. Salt pulls out his money folder and tries to strike up a deal with Wonka, which is obviously denied. Because Wonka is a smart man, and also, you know, who knows how long it takes to train one of these squirrels. It's probably not even worth the trouble to sell one, because by the time you have another one, all the others are, you know, so good at their jobs that there's this other squirrel in there that's probably just causing a ruckus or whatever. He's like, you know what, these are my squirrels. I don't care how much money you got, because I own the biggest chocolate factory in the world, and money is not a problem for me. Yep, chocolate is uh, all that matters to me. Maybe if you had 100 chocolate bars, he could buy Mr. Wonka. <laughs> you think that 100 chocolate bars is the magic <laughs> price? Yep, yep, even though Wonka probably puts out a million. Yeah, probably. Veruca heads into the room against Wonka's wishes and is greeted by 100 squirrels, like I said, stopping dead in their tracks to stare at the unfamiliar child. Reaching for the one she wants in particular, Veruca is ambushed by all 100 of the squirrels, evenly attaching themselves along her body. Um, you know, 25 on the left leg, 25 on the right, 25 on the left arm, 24 on the right, and one squirrel uh, that goes to tap, tap, tap on her noggin to check if she's a good nut or not. Bad egg. Yep. In a... State of bewilderment, Mrs. Salt asks what the squirrels are doing, and, you know, like I said, Wonka tells her that they're testing to see if she's a good or a bad one, and um, his, uh, his question is answered quite obviously when they start dragging her towards the garbage chute, to which Wonka says, her head must have sounded quite hollow. <laughs> hey <laughs> And the squirrels pitch her down the chute. Bye. It's important to note that, uh, you know, along with the shells being thrown down this hole, which leads to the garbage room, Willie also says that there's actual garbage in there, including fish heads and cabbage and potato skins, showing us that Wonka does not strictly live off the candy, which is good because I don't think 12 chocolate bars a day is an actual diet. Uh, Fear Augustus Gloop. Yeah, I suppose. He then tells Mr. and Mrs. Salt that the chute she was tossed down obviously went to the furnace, because where else would it go? It's, you know, it's garbage. But they shouldn't be too worried about it, because uh, every once in a while the Oompa Loompas forget to light the furnace. So there isn't a 100% chance that she'll be um, obliterated. I like how he gives like such uncertainty to each parent when they disappear. Every uh, time. We might be able to dejuice your daughter. Your son might not be chopped up into a million pieces and turned into strawberry uh, fudge whipple delight fudge. You know? It, it's just up to fate. He know? is so funny. And it's nice that you mentioned the up to fate thing because I'm going to get a little personal here and say that... Wonka uses a phrase that uh, I had only just recently learned from my dear sweet grandmother being that uh, they all come out in the wash. He's not too worried about everything. You know, the kids, 
they're going into the incinerators and they're going into the the rooms with the thousand knives to chop them up into bits. But he just says they'll all come out in the wash. There we go. Yeah, it's uh, I like that. Mister Salt says my daughter may be a bit of a frump. I don't mind admitting it. Um, to you know Wonka showing little regard for her life or whatever and it's just kind of funny because I don't know what her being a frump has anything to do with that (laughs) and her mother desperate to know the state of her daughter's well-being leans over the giant hole in the ground to shout into the void only to hear nothing in return but a faint echo standing so close and leaning so long you know where this is going eventually One of the squirrels gives Mrs. Salt just a little shove, and she flies down the chute right behind her daughter. What the? I didn't sign up to go to Wisconsin Dells, uh, Noah's Ark. Ooh, Wisconsin Dells. Now that sounds like a good use of a trip one day when, you know, the whole world isn't falling apart. (laughs) I think now's now's the perfect time to go middle of winter okay we'll see uh, that's also a part of it but honestly once it warms up maybe um maybe we'll all still be social distancing so you can rent the whole park out for yourself for a day there we there we go and there won't be any pee in the pool water at all compared to you know it's 90 percent pee uh most of the time when people are swimming around in it not to keep anyone know. off of swimming in pools yeah, I think it, it's going to have to go off of this ticket system when it reopens, just like the the stimulus checks, you know. We're sending out five stimulus checks throughout the whole U.S. Uh, <laughs> five golden tickets to decide whether you and your family get to eat or not. <laughs> and pay a third of your rent. <laughs> yep. Clearly not sensing that there's a bit of a a theme here. You know, what's about to happen here in this story makes me think of, you know, that quote, uh, the definition of insanity is just trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Um, Mm. Apparently being insane, Mr. Salt leans himself over the garbage hole and is obviously pushed in by a squirrel. I mean... What does he really expect? He just watched it happen to his daughter and his wife, and he's like, you know what? No, they're not going to do it to me because I'm Mr. Salt. And that sounds like a funny name that you could call someone that's always angry about <laughs> stuff, but it's just actually my name. Well, maybe well, maybe Mr. Salt just had enough, and he was like, you know what? That garbage shoot looks a little fun. Honestly, <laughs> knowing Wonka... I bet that it is, like, even though it's completely unnecessary, said um, nothing but, like, walnut shells are being sent down there, I bet it's still, like, a giant slide going the whole way down. That would be an awesome trip until you fall into the furnace at the end. Yeah, ouch, too hot. But with the uh, definition of insanity, I didn't learn the definition until Far Cry 3 and Voss said it. Uh, is that where you also learned uh, about it? No, I, I learned about it before then, but I, of course, um, have the same exact memories because that's one of my favorite games of all time. Oh, yeah, same here. Wonka, confident as ever, tells Charlie he suspects that someone will catch him at the bottom of the chute before they're, you know, charred to a crisp or whatever. 
and the accompanying song. I'm not reading them off this time, you know. I thought that it would be fun to read off the whole song through the whole book, but some of them are like seven pages long, <laughs> and so I'm just going to sum up what they say with the song for Veruca Salt, um, blaming the parents for her awful attitude because, as the song says, a child cannot spoil itself. Which, you know, mm. this uh, this book is just. It's fun and games and all that kind of stuff. Goofy stuff's happening. You got crazy Willy Wonka and he's got the big crazy chocolate river and all that stuff. But it is important to note that there are tiny lessons throughout this whole thing. And that is a very good point that even though the child is to blame for, you know, acting like a spoiled brat, they clearly are not the ones that were handed everything from day one, like by choice, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe an awful attitude is a cry for attention. I mean, you get attention for that, and hey, I, don't, I don't think these parents are giving it to them. That is absolutely true in a lot of aspects, too. You know, it's unfortunate to stand... Uh, well, I mean, I feel like we're talking about Catcher in the Rye again. It's unfortunate to stand by and look at some bratty kid and think that they're nothing but an awful little, you know, butthead that's... All they do is, you know, scream and whine and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. But unfortunately, it can be very telling at some points, you know, because maybe they aren't getting the attention a child needs and deserves to grow up into a fully functioning adult or, well, you know, that stuff. It just, it happens all the time everywhere. Something to think about. This particular part is when Wonka says they'll all come out in the wash, which is a phrase that I've used before, like I said, because my grandma made me privy to it. Um, I love you, Grandma. Leaving the room, Mike comments on the fact that <laughs> all the walking they've been doing that day has left a toll on his feet, and in a surprising twist of fate, Wonka actually hears what he says and decides that it's time to jump into the elevator. The uh, Oh, the solution here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> However, <laughs> as should be expected, this isn't no ordinary up-and-down elevator like... Maurice was hanging out in during Catcher in the Rye because this elevator is made of glass and it has a thousand buttons on all four of the walls and it's even got a thousand on the ceiling and it's later uh, mentioned that a bed can fit in this elevator just to give everyone a good mental image so this is a this is a bit of a beefer of an elevator not only does the elevator happen to be made of you know glass and have uh, what sounds to be 5,000 buttons if we count up the four walls and the ceiling that is five sides um, not only does it have all that crap but the elevator can also move sideways and slant ways and upwards and downwards being able to reach any room in the factory which sounds pretty awesome honestly I uh, well I would say I'd like one of these for my house but it takes me about 30 seconds to do a lap of the entire place so I guess I wouldn't really need it Nah, uh, maybe just to get around town, I guess. Ooh, that sounds nice. Wonka yeah. decides to let the remaining two children each push a button, and Mike obviously stops dead in his tracks when he sees one that reads, Television Chocolate. What? The elevator what? moves so fast that everyone inside, other than Wonka, who didn't bother telling everyone that there are straps hanging from the ceiling because... 
this is a crazy elevator invented by a madman. Uh, everyone else is flung to the floor, which this is sounds so funny like a, too. Yeah, this just sounds like a good way to, you know, well kill Grandpa Joe. Yeah, seriously, like. ninety six and a half years old, he is shot to the floor in this giant elevator, and you know he could break a hip, and he may be going back to bed, and he may not be coming back after this one, you know. Yeah, um, with the. Uh, with the buttons, did you uh, did you ever get in fights with your siblings on who could uh, touch the ele- elevator button first? You know, uh, I can't say that I did, but I could see myself blocking memories out, being the baby of my family to where, um, you know, I just didn't get to push the button, so my brain washed it away and thought, you were never in the elevator in the first place. But that does sound like a fun thing to do. I mean, I'll still fight over who gets to push a button today. <laughs> yeah. I, I just go in the elevator and, you know, I don't, I don't even let the person uh, touch the button. I say, what, what, what floor are you going to? And then Just I, block it off. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're recording this a couple days after Christmas, but it does make me think of that scene in Elf. When he presses every <laughs> button of like the two hundred in that elevator, oh my god, I love that uh, movie. I can't wait to watch so it good. again in three hundred and sixty days. Yep, um, and we hope you guys had a good Christmas. We didn't say that. Yeah, happy, happy after the fact holidays. Um, yep. This little scene here is so perfect for Wonka too because it kind of. I don't know that it embodies everything that he's done through the whole book in one simple description but he knows that the straps are there but well actually it might just be because Mike pushed the button before Wonka had a second to say anything but it seems like the first thing you'd say when you walk into the elevator you know there are these straps hanging from the ceiling so you don't fly around but of course he just didn't even mention it at all (laughs) and he's the only one holding on to one (laughs) yeah Charlie and Mike are too short to reach for the straps so um, when the group is finally prompted by Wonka to grab a hold of one, he instead gets a death grip around Grandpa Joe's legs, who in turn clings tightly to one of the ceiling straps because, you know, he's an adult. He can reach those things. He's probably eye level with Wonka, if I had to guess. Yeah, I like how Charlie's can look around this whole elevator and he's like, let me grab the most feeble, uh, <laughs> <laughs> weak uh, leg in the room here. The you one think, that's the size of a twig. You think that he's going to grab onto Wonka? <laughs> At this point, I don't see why not. They got a little bond going. Aww. Charlie compares the elevator ride to a roller coaster, and he's just having a good old time. Um, And Wonka asks Mike TV not to be sick after, you know, after he thinks that he's going to blow chunks. And when he's like, nope, I'm definitely going to be sick, Wonka pops the hat off his head and throws it in front of Mike and says, well, if you're going to do it, can you at least do it in here? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which shows that Wonka is uh, not too vain, which is nice. He's like, just don't puke in the amazing glass elevator. Puke in my amazing velvet top hat. I'd imagine he just like tossed it like a frisbee down to him. He's like, ugh. <laughs> puke puke in, in here. Yep. 
And of course, in classic Wonka fashion, halfway through the ride, he comments on the fact that he hopes the other elevator isn't in use today because they use the same track. So if someone's coming from the other direction in the other elevator, you know, they'll collide and they'll both shatter into a million pieces and um, there'll be nothing left but meat dust. Ugh. Wonka oh, says Wonka says he's been lucky every time he's taken the elevator, though. You know, once again, I don't care. I've taken this elevator a million times. You think that this will be the one that uh, the two of them actually collide with each other? I've made it this far. Yep. And honestly, that's another uh, interesting life philosophy. You can sit there and go, well, you know, this hasn't killed me yet, but uh, yet is the key word. <laughs> that's how I think about COVID. You know, I'm just like, well, not scared anymore. <laughs> Mm, yep. JK. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go to the bar after we're done recording. Yeah, I'm gonna go to Disney World. Yep. Who's gonna stop me? Florida, here I come. Mm, Mike <laughs> is sure that he's going to be sick after hearing the news about the second elevator, and Wonka tells him, "Don't spoil my hat." Uh, <laughs> arriving at the room, the group is immediately blinded by, you know. I mean, bright light. It's got white walls and a white ceiling, and there's not a speck of dust to be seen in the entire room. And Wonka gives the group very strong sunglasses as he tells them the light can blind them permanently if they stare into it long enough. Mm. And once again, I'm picturing the Johnny Depp movie, which, I gotta say again, I'm going to watch both of them before our discussion episode, but I, uh... I can visualize so much of it so well. And I feel like, I don't know what people think of it. I, you know, of course, compared to the original, I'm sure people have nothing but crap to talk about it. But I'm pretty sure that it uh, is actually very visually striking. Yeah. Well, I remember when I first came out of the theater and uh, I can't remember who it was, but they're like, what do you, what do you think about the movie? And I was like, I don't know what was what was it 2006 it came out oh nine oh nine uh so I've been oh god 12 uh so I I just said the animation in this movie was the craziest thing I've ever seen okay hey I lied it came out in 2005 2005 Um, was that okay so wait you were impressed by the animation or you weren't impressed by the animation i was very impressed by it by the whole like set design animation all of it i'm excited to watch it again yeah it's on netflix Ooh! inside the room a group of oompa loompas wear bright red space type suits Silently working on computer panels and uh, also working on and oiling up like a giant camera. Interesting to note huh. that pretty much every other time the Oompa Loompas have been in the room with the kids, they've been laughing or talking or, you know, chattering about something, but this room is completely silent. After yeah. telling the group about his latest and greatest invention, this being television chocolate. Well, Wonka tells the group about it, and Mike asks, What the hell television chocolate is? And Wonka says, Good heavens, child, (laughs) stop interrupting me! (sighs) Every exchange between them is so perfect. Yep. Because Wonka, Wonka can literally go, 
And without further ado, television chocolate. And the room is silent for 10 seconds. And that's when Mike asks him a question. He goes, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Good God, child. Oh. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> Um, but there, there are some kids in this world where, yeah, they are really annoying. And uh, Mike, I, I just, I just picture him as like those kids that I'm just like, oh god, just I, stop talking. I feel like I have plenty of childhood memories of being told to stop talking by adults. Um, <laughs> what really? doesn't happen? Doesn't happen so much these days, fortunately. But yeah, I remember. I used to get a Coca-Cola or two in me back when I was younger, and I'm pretty sure I didn't sit still until I went to sleep. <laughs> I was the complete opposite, man. Uh, Brag about it, it. it would be very common for me to like uh, s- sit in class all day and not talk. Well, the thing is, I, I would talk, but not when the teacher was in the room. I, I never really did that, but once they were out, I was like, uh, uh, you guys want to hear jokes? That's really funny. Maybe. Do you have a joke right now? Uh, I'm a sitcom guy. I gotta. I'm not a improv. Yeah, it's uh, keep keep it going. Keep it going. Oh well, well. <laughs> In a segment of text that makes me personally feel attacked, Wonka says that while TV's not for him, he doesn't see a problem with it in small doses, even though. It doesn't seem like anyone can enjoy TV in small doses. And like I said, what's your problem with me sitting on my couch for four straight hours not moving a muscle, Wonka? Huh? You got a problem with how I live my life? I work hard. I deserve to not move for hours. Yeah, after working for for the man all week? You kidding me? Honestly. And you know what I'm going to say, too? Uh, Sidetrack here. Um... I've been napping on the couch a lot over this little Christmas break we've had, and I'll just wake up with the cat, like, bundled up on me and stuff like that, so we're just, we take naps together, and it's so wonderful. I love listening to the noises they make. <laughs> Purring? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like so, I, I don't know, it's just so calming to listen to. But he's well, not always making the noise, which is funny. Yeah, it's nice because you know that they're having a good time, you know? Well, honestly, it could also be because I'll use my cat as a pillow and I'll put my full weight down on him, so that noise might just be him having trouble breathing. I'm not really (laughs) sure. I don't know. You'll have to contact your uh, vet, your local vet. Um, After giving his little diatribe on how he feels about kids not being able to step away from the TV... Mike yells out, that's me, and his dad says, <laughs> his dad says, shut up, and Wonka says, thank you. <laughs> uh, I like how Mike TV is just like, God, it's like he's talking directly towards me. <laughs> <laughs> Giving a rudimentary explanation of how TVs work, especially these old ones, Wonka pretty much says that. You know, the TV is made up of a million little pixels that are all different parts of the bigger picture, literally, that eventually fuse into what you see on the TV. Mike tells him that's not exactly how they work, and Wonka apologizes for the fact that he is somewhat deaf in his left ear, so he must forgive him if he doesn't catch everything Mike says. You must excuse me, young man. (laughs) 
And then he's like on his right side. He's like, oh, excuse me. I'm deaf in my right ear yep. too. Like, <laughs> that's a good one. That's like uh, my mom. She would, I would, whenever she acted like she couldn't hear me, she would say, oh, I just have selective hearing. <laughs> like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Mike reiterates his sentiment and Wonka curtly tells him, that while he is a nice boy, he talks too much. <laughs> yep. Carrying out a chocolate bar the size of a mattress, a group of Oompa Loompas in spacesuits bring it in front of the giant camera opposite the room from a TV, and after a blinding flash of light, the monumental bar is gone. Appearing on the screen in its normal size, Wonka implores Charlie to grab the bar through the screen and he says go ahead and eat it and charlie's like it is a bar of chocolate um and let me just reiterate that there they had this bar the size of a mattress and it was turned to its normal size one being sent through to the tv which is you know something important to take note of Mm -hmm. i think this is another interestingly charitable invention by wonka due to the fact that he wants this invention so that people sitting at home watching Wonka commercials can be like well the commercial can say don't believe that this is the best bar of chocolate you've ever tried you know try for yourself and then they just reach in through the TV to grab it which makes me think of the everlasting gobstoppers for the children with little pocket money yeah it is nice just very nice makes you wish that you know Elon Musk would do that with like his Teslas or something, you know, it's on the TV and then I can just grab it. Grandpa Joe says this invention will change the world. Uh, Chiming in for once, you know, Grandpa Joe, he's been pretty quiet this whole time, but there have been a few (laughs) moments where he's been defending Wonka or just marveling at how incredible everything is, even though... (laughs) I think he's, yeah, he's just uh flabbergasted he's just so amazed by him he's kind of lost for words but when someone speaks one bad thing about him he says how dare you sir that is how dare you that is willie wonkerton wonka you're talking about that's probably what his willie name or willie wow that's probably what his middle name is bit of a freudian slip there (laughs) mike is more excited about the invention than joe is uh for different prospects however asking wonka if he'd be able to send something like breakfast cereal through the tube. And Wonka says, Oh, my sainted aunt, don't mention that disgusting stuff in front of me. Do you know what breakfast cereal is made of? It's made of all those little curly wooden shavings you find in pencil sharpeners. That's why I stopped eating uh, cornflakes. You know, I feel like cornflakes are a waste of time, but... uh, I could probably eat cinnamon life every day for the rest of my life because it's Ooh. just so delicious. Yeah, yeah, I love I love cereal. I'll be honest. Controversial opinion here. Yeah, honestly. Uh, um, Mike's second question is if a person could be sent into the TV. And Wonka's like, yeah, probably. But, um, you know, I can't imagine anything good would come of it. And the group leaves the room. <laughs> no. Mike bolts for the camera as he wants to be the uh, first ever person sent by TV. 
And Wonka's not messing with it. You know what I mean? He's like, you really shouldn't do that, young man. But Mike he is does a little, it so fast. Yeah, Mike is a little too quick on his feet. And he snaps himself with a large camera and evaporates into thin air, never to be seen again. The Dang group it. actually leaves at this point. No, I did the same joke two times in the last ten seconds. But, you know, you got to have fun. <laughs> Obviously worried, Mike's parents prod Wonka as to when they will see their precious little boy again. <laughs> little joke for what's to come. And like usual, yeah. he doesn't have an answer, telling him just to watch the TV. He may come through at any moment, he says. In the meantime, Wonka tells his parents that every once in a while... Only half of the chocolate bar will come through the TV. And uh, Mike's dad says, Let's hope it's the top half. <laughs> so perfect. Uh, you would imagine he would ask for the bottom half so he wouldn't keep talking, you know, this oh, Mike yeah, TV. Oh, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> if only my son would be quiet for once. Yeah. Which is actually the plot line for... Uh, uh, the new, Onward, the new Pixar film. Onward? I thought that one came out like five years ago. No, it just came out. But ah. their dad is a pair of legs. Their dad is a pair of legs? Yeah, they try to rescue him from... Because uh, I think their dad died, and then they try to bring him back, his top half or something. So, So he's just a sentient pair of legs after that. Yep. That sounds horrific. From the trailer, that's what I've seen. I I need to watch it. Eventually, Mike appears on TV, grinning from ear to ear. His dad calls him midget, which is not an appropriate phrase to be using. Um, Let us look to the late 2000s classic TLC show, Little People, Big World. That is the preferred nomenclature. And... um, you know, I watched that show when I was younger. Little people, really? Little people, big world. That's the proper term. Yeah. Um, oh. Well, I mean, of course, I believe that not only are there different sorts of little people, but like, I think the people on Little People, Big World are strictly just proportionately smaller. But uh, if we look to Jackass's Wee Man. I believe he's just got like a different type of dwarfism where his head and torso are the appropriate size, but his limbs are stunted. Huh. The more you know. Yep. I didn't know that. Yoinking him from the screen, Mrs. TV tells Wonka that she wouldn't specifically consider Mike unharmed due to the fact that he's now small enough to run across the palm of her hand. Which is really funny. I like this mental <laughs> image. He's just like, wee! <laughs> I'm on TV! <laughs> Wonka says, what did you expect? And while his parents are worried about the challenges that may come with Mike's new lifestyle, he doesn't have a care in the world because he says, I'll still be able to watch television. To which <laughs> yeah, he's like, he doesn't I'm going to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> and Mike's mom is pretty mad about him putting himself through the machine here and says that she'll be throwing the TV in the garbage the second they get home. And in turn, Mike throws a tantrum, uh, jumping up and down and screaming and trying to bite her fingers. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't even hurt. (laughs) 
<laughs> Mike's dad puts little Mike in his coat pocket, tamping him down with his handkerchief. And all they can hear is little squeals coming from inside the pocket because he's just so tiny. No. As per usual, oh. while it isn't perfect, Wonka has a solution for the small boy planning to put him in a machine that stretches out chewing gum for some so reason. Dra- yeah, so draconian here. Draconian? Wow. Yep. Uh, you heard it here. Expanding my vocabulary. While his parents are concerned that he'll be rail thin if he's stretched tall from his tiny state, Wonka tells him he'll be flattened up again through the power of super vitamins. The super vitamins being um, super vitamins A, B, C, D, E, F, G, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Only leaving out super vitamins S, which make you sick, and super vitamin H, that makes you grow horns out of your head. But otherwise, he says that uh, even though he'll be, you know, super skinny when the machine is done with him, that he'll still be fattened up by all those 24 vitamins. Not to forget, actually, the fifth vitamin, and most important, being vitamin Wonka which will cause Mike's toes to grow as long as his fingers, which goals Mrs. TV is not very happy to hear about because, well, you know, she's like, I don't want his fingers to be that long, but Wonka pretty much tells her to look on the bright side because, you know, once his toes are as long as his fingers, he'll be able to play piano with them. Yay. And that would be pretty fun. Uh, I think he also says that he's going to be the best NBA player around. Yeah, Wonka uh, says that they shouldn't fret because if he ends up being so tall from the gum stretcher, every basketball team in the country will be at his door. Yeah, he's going to be the next Wilt Chamberlain. I was thinking of Larry Bird personally, but you know they're both basketball players. Wilt Chamberlain, I suppose, was like seven feet tall, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a big boy. This is another point when Wonka says they all come out in the wash. And Mike's forgettable song, I'm only calling it forgettable because I swear I remember the first two or three of them, you know, Augustus Gloop, the great big greedy nincompoop. I remember the first (laughs) two or three of them very well, but not only did I not remember any part of Mike's song, I also didn't remember how he got what was coming to him. And yeah. and his song details the importance of reading. You know, it pretty much says, throw the TV out and replace it with the bookshelf. The kids will hate you for it right away, but once they get bored enough, they'll read, read, read. And baby, they'll thank you a thousand times for giving them the gift of reading. Which, um, you know, I don't know if this is too controversial to say, but I like to read a bit myself. <laughs> I like is it a crime to like both? Well, honestly, I feel like yeah. if you could only pick one, I feel like reading is the obvious option, but half my fun with the TV is how loud and noisy it is even if I don't care about what the noises are. Like, I've been watching Game of Thrones lately, and you know what that show would be without the constant um horse hooves clopping on dirt? <laughs> Not medieval. Not very medieval at all. Yeah. This is kind of interesting, but I watched like the first five minutes of Matilda uh, recently, 
and you were right by the film, way. Directed by was, Danny DeVito. Yeah, that that was his baby. Um, and in the first 10, 15 minutes, like Matilda, you know, she's growing up. She's so gifted. And, well, she tells Danny DeVito, well, I want a book. And then Danny DeVito, just, they're watching TV, having their TV dinners, the rest of the family. And he's like, why would you want that when you got TV? You, you, you can't, uh, you, you can get everything you want out of a book on a TV. And it's just like, uh, wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Honestly, though, Homer Simpson put it best himself when he said that he loves the TV because it gives so much and asks so little. Ah, uh, wise. Rushing out of the room, Wonka pretends for some reason to be surprised when he's told that Charlie is the only remaining child. I don't know. That was a specific part written out in the book. Pretending to be surprised, Wonka, you know, jumped up and down and was like, Oh my god, you won! Which, once again, <laughs> I didn't even know that there was a prize coming with the tour. And we'll actually discuss it later because there are a few things that need to be said about this book. And I'm going to say them, okay? They, yes. all, they all jump into the great glass elevator and Wonka pushes a button that says, up and out. And he says he's never pushed the button before today. But the name is pretty self-explanatory, being that the elevator shoots towards the... Um, you know, shoots towards the roof of the entire chocolate factory and eventually gains enough speed to shoot out and clean up above the chocolate factory, eventually hovering in a helicopter-like fashion with Joe asking what exactly keeps the elevator afloat in the sky, and Wonka tells him, candy power! One million candy power to be exact, too, which, um, why question it, you know? Joe, is this really the time to be asking questions when you're in a magical glass elevator that doesn't appear to have any machine work inside it because it's made of glass and it's just floating? Maybe if you ask questions, you know, I can't remember what this is making me think of specifically. Oh, it's making me think of Elf, you know. Santa's sleigh doesn't work when kids don't believe in him, so wouldn't that be kind of funny if Joe was like, wait a second, I'm not sure how this thing works, and that just makes it plummet to the ground because <laughs> because he doesn't believe in the magic glass elevator. The candy meter just drops, and yep. <laughs> along with it, the passengers. From above the factory, uh, Willie, Charlie, and Joe can see all the lost children heading out of the factory towards the gate, all looking a little worse for wear, uh, Augustus Gloop being thinned out from being sucked into a skinny pipe, which I gotta say, I don't think was explicitly stated. I didn't think that he was all skinny and stuff, but of course they couldn't thin him out for, once again, the Johnny Depp movie. I can picture that scene very well, but <laughs> Augustus Gloop is made all skinny. Mike is 10 feet tall and wire thin from the gum stretcher. Violet is dejuiced, but is still purple from the blueberry pie gum. And Veruca is covered in garbage from her trip to the dump. <laughs> Wonka, being a man of his word, tells Charlie that uh, all the golden ticket holders are still being sent home with their dump truck full of chocolate, even though literally no one listened to him at all. But it's not like, you know, it's not like Wonka can't afford to let a little chocolate go to waste. Yeah. He tells him he has something important for him and presses a button, sending the elevator to shoot into the sky. Wonka, actually looking serious for a change, tells Charlie that he loves the chocolate factory, 
and asks Charlie if he loves the chocolate factory as well, to which Charlie says, uh, yeah, it's like the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And Wonka tells Charlie that while he's currently too young, he plans on letting Charlie run the factory when he comes of age. Because, you know, Wonka, Wonka ain't gonna be around forever. He also tells Joe and Charlie that he's much older than they think, which makes me think that Wonka may be a bit of an immortal time lord or something like that. We don't know for sure. And he tells well, Charlie and when Joe... You're surrounded by, when you're surrounded by candy all day, you just... It keeps you youthful. Yeah, yeah. He also tells Charlie and Joe that he isn't interested in having an adult take up the mantle because an important life lesson to learn again being that adults, maybe they can't be more stubborn than children, but, you know, when you're old enough, you think you got everything figured out and you're not going to listen to what this other guy tells you because you see an easier way to do your job, which isn't always a bad thing. And... Um, Charlie, being younger, will actually take Willie's advice while Willie's still around because, like I said, he won't be around forever. He said it himself, too, actually. I'm much older than you think, and, you know, I gotta tell you my secrets while I'm still kicking. Yeah. Very interesting. It's also really weird. Like I was saying earlier, uh, Wonka tells Charlie that his favorite golden ticket holder was to be the winner of you know, the prestigious right of owning the factory. But that makes me wonder. Uh, it doesn't really seem like he had a choice. Because there's only one nope. kid left. Yep. Yep, the rest of them were just too much of brats. Not but it's o- just... Uh... Not only not only is there only one child left, but um, who's to say that, you know, his favorite child... Maybe Augustus was his favorite child, but he got sucked up into the pipe right away, I guess... That could mean that Augustus was still in the running for it, even though, <laughs> you know, even though he, you know, got himself sucked up into a big pipe. <laughs> Wonka just flies down with the elevator. And he's like, Augustus, yep. Augustus. And then he kicks Charlie out. And he's like, come on up here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chocolate boy. He, yeah. He drops Charlie off outside of his ramshackle and speeds <laughs> off. Uh Maybe crashes down on the roof or something. Who knows? <laughs> Wonka says, my favorite golden ticket holder will be the winner. And tells him that not only uh, will he run the factory when he's of age, but him and his entire family get to come move into the factory right now. You know, um, with his family helping him run the factory until he is of age. Mm-hmm. Which, once again, I did not know was part of the deal. I did not remember him being gifted the factory in the end. I'm not even sure how the movie ends because I know that it's pretty different because the book is about to end here, but as we will recall, Charlie and Joe partake in the fizzy lifting drinks in the movie, but they do no such thing in the book, and it's really just a side note, which is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, the original kind of sucks that way because Charlie in the book he's been good the whole time but yeah. in the movie all of a sudden out he of does nowhere that slip up yeah that's really weird i'm ex- uh, i'm excited to you know watch it again and take notes wonka asks yeah. charlie to point out his house 
and he does so accordingly, pointing at the quote-unquote tiny little cottage on the edge of town. Um, however, Charlie's worried that only his father will be able to accompany them. Only his father and Joe actually will be able to accompany them to the factory because his mom will have to stay behind to take care of the remaining grandparents, which is so funny. I love the idea of Joe. He's just standing in the corner like, well, I mean, I'm coming to the factory too, obviously. You, you can see me. I'm nimble. <laughs> I mean, I can I can help I can help stir the chocolate and why would I go back with all those old people laying in that bed? I mean, I'm perfectly able. One of Grandpa Joe equals twenty Oompa Loompa. Yeah, right. <laughs> Plus, I will die for you, Wonka. I'll take a bullet for you if I have to. <laughs> yeah, I could be your own personal bodyguard, Wonka. Uh, you need me. <laughs> Charlie's worried that his mom and grandparents will have to stay behind in the crappy little cottage, but Wonka says, There's plenty of room in this elevator for a bed. And Joe says that the bed will not fit through the front door. To which Wonka says, You mustn't despair. Nothing is impossible. You watch. Once again, an important lesson to take note of. Anything <laughs> is possible. Smashing through the roof of the house... The group land on the three remaining old parents, crushing them to death in their bed. Um, no, they land in the middle of the floor, and all the grandparents are almost scared to death, with one grandma dropping her dentures, another fainting, and Grandpa George hides under his blanket. And upon hearing Wonka's offer, both of the grandmas say they'd rather die in their beds than hop into the magic elevator. Well, Grandpa George <laughs> just says he'd, he refuses to go. He's like, I'm not so sure about the whole death thing yet, but, you know, I'm fine here. This is like if uh, Elon Musk did something similar and he's like, you know... <sighs> He, he's, he wasn't able to have his child, whatever, XB3, whatever his child's name is. I don't know. Uh, and then he picks up, like, a random child in America, like, lower class America. He's like, you're going to, you're going to, uh, you run my factory, all right? You don't have a college degree or anything. And then he shows up with his freaking SpaceX rockets, crashes through your roof, and he's like, all right, come on. We're gonna go. We're gonna go back to the Tesla factory. You guys are gonna enjoy it, whether you like it or not. This story really brings out the um, Elon Musk in you, huh? Do you really think Willy Wonka and Elon Musk are the same guy? Uh, well, I think Michael Jackson uh, and Willy Wonka have more in common. But I'll save that for the next episode. I think some of this is kind of weird. Uh, okay. I think I think Michael Jackson may have took a few notes from this book, but uh, that's just me. Interesting. Yeah. Um, after the three grandparents refused to go, not taking no for an answer, Charlie, Joe, and Willie pushed the bed into the elevator with Mr. and Mrs. Bucket being jostled in behind them afterwards. Grandma Josephine asks if there will be anything to eat in the factory due to the fact that this actually may be kind of hard to remember, but if we will look back on the first episode, this whole family is completely starving in awful poverty. So the first thing she says is, you know, we're starving. Is there anything to eat? And the book ends with Charlie saying nothing but, you just wait and see. And that 
Yay. is where we will um, not leave off. We're completely done with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory now. Three parts in the bag. Cole, thoughts? Pretty good. It is yep, pretty good. It's, uh, Wonka is a very interesting character. Funny, witty, uh, made a very neat world here. Um, Charlie, he's just he, good kid. Good kid. You know, great to see he made his break. Um, yeah, he deserved it. Yep, and then the rest of the kids, the rest of the kids, they gotta learn their lesson, and you know, Wonka, he's a bit of a hard ass, he says, you're gonna, you're gonna learn today, that's probably what he said. I'm sure Augustus Gloop learned his lesson when he got home with that dump truck full of chocolate bars. Yeah, I think, well, out of all the children, he's probably the only one that got out of it in a better condition, if he came out... You know, a little slimmed down. Maybe he's looking However, looking pretty good. Yeah, that's really funny, too, kind of thinking of all of these kids may have had such a bad experience that they never want chocolate or candy again. <laughs> Just have uh, PTSD. Yep. What am I going to yeah. do with a giant dump truck full of chocolate? I literally just about drowned in a river full of chocolate, in case you forgot. Wonka yeah. is sending it home with them to torture them. Yeah, or squirrels, or gum that changes flavors. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, as as a kid, sure, a truckload of candy sounds awesome, but once you get older, it's just kind of like, you know what, Wonka, it'd be nice if you threw in those uh, fish that you had for dinner, or the, you know, just regular food. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Now, I'm not going to lie, I am very excited about this chocolate factory, but do you have a sandwich? (laughs) And then uh, that gets me to my final point, is that uh, this episode was sponsored by uh, HelloFresh. They bring food right to your door, uh, just like Wonka. Now, I mean... We don't want to go giving them any free advertising or anything like that. Uh, this episode actually has been brought to you by the Wonka Chocolate Company. Um, go out and grab yourself a... Oh, man, I'm picturing the Johnny Depp movie again. Man, those chocolate bars looked good, and I love that wrapping paper. I might have to watch that one before the other one, and I might have to watch it directly when we're done recording. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Um, yep. Was that all your what thoughts? Did, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. What did What did you think? Well, you know, there's plenty that I have to say that I'm going to say for the discussion, but the one little tidbit that I am going to mention right now is it's so interesting that through Charlie being such a non-problematic child, he's almost a non-entity through like the entire factory tour. He's barely there. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really interesting. But as I said, we'll save all of that for our discussion coming next week. Yeah, we'll discuss the movies. Yep, 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 yep. I I definitely want to dive into maybe... I feel like there's a lot of conspiracy theories revolving around this universe. Perfect. I kind of want to see what fan theories are out there. Uh, And maybe the production of the original, because... 
I feel like maybe at the time is just such a odd film, uh, but who knows? Yeah, I, I want to dive in. We will talk about it then, but until then, uh, go ahead, follow us on the Instagram, the Bad Apple Book Club. Um, maybe we aren't getting followers because I'm not. I haven't spelled it out meticulously for everyone. T, H, E. No, that's just a little joke for you. You have (laughs) 360 days, I believe, from when this episode's coming out to buy yourself a shirt for Christmas. Um, You got a little more of a lead than we did when we actually got these shirts, but we must be over halfway through the stock right now. Thank you so much to everyone who has purchased them up to this point. Um, Maybe even before we're done with those, we, we might have something else cooking up. Oh, yeah, you just never know. You never do know. We, while Wonka works on his amazing chocolates, we work on our wonderful t-shirts. Our scrumptious merch. Lucas and Cole and the t-shirt factory. There we go. Yep. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, everyone out there, thanks for listening. If you are. Whatever. Um, And, you know, just uh, have a nice day. And Happy New Year's. Happy. Enjoy the rest of your 2020. Mm. We'll see what the grand finale has. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Bye. Bye. Of course. You know. Oh, yeah. I can always do nothing with it.